Hello and welcome to Season 3 of Major Prelude and Minor Mishaps, the Vermont Arts Podcast from the Barry Montpelier Times Argus and the Rutland Herald. Hi, I'm Jim Lowe and I'm Arts Editor of the Times Argus and Rutland Herald. Each week I travel the state hearing, watching, enjoying the best Vermont has to offer in the arts and I try to put it together and deliver it to you. It all culminates with the Vermont Arts Section every Saturday in the Times Argus and Rutland Herald. So Jim Lowe, it looks like this week, Vermonters will have a chance to see a tribute to one of uh, the most complex and popular artists in recent history. That's absolutely true. And what makes it even more interesting is this is the second week in a row we've featured a Vermont native woman who has made it big. This week, it's Sally Olson. And she turned her passion for Karen Carpenter into the big time. She had long in Vermont been putting on shows imitating Karen Carpenter and dressing like her and whatever, and she got good reviews for it. But she's now doing it in Las Vegas. And can you tell us a little bit about Sally's history? You just mentioned she's a Vermonter. Is she from the area, and, and if so, where, which part of Vermont is she from? No, Sally is from Rutland. Okay. She's a Rutland native. Um, she studied music in Burlington uh, with some musical theater people there, and she developed this show on her own, or she may have had help, but she's been doing it for years. But we felt, maybe incorrectly, that it was just a small-town show. Well, she decided to go to Las Vegas and see what she could do. She met a partner there, and together they have put on this show that is playing nightclubs all around Las Vegas. So the show that will be performed here locally at... Um uh, in Brandon, is that the same show that's going on in Las Vegas, or is it just the same Im- uh, impression? Of- no, it will. It is essentially the same show. It won't have the same backup musicians, so it'll be smaller. It'll be more intimate, but it but it is the Las Vegas show, so people get a chance to see exactly what she's doing in Las Vegas. And of course, you mentioned uh, Sally's uh, reputation in Rutland. Have you had a chance to see her do? her uh, version of Karen Carpenter. Yes, I have. And it's quite impressive. I'm not a big Karen Carpenter fan. I mean, nor do I have anything against her. It's just not someone I followed. But she does it. She really does it. And Karen Carpenter was obviously a very popular musician. Uh, Do you feel that this show is something that uh, would appeal only to Karen Carpenter fans or because of her popular music, do you think it will appeal to uh, music fans of all types. I think it should fe- it should appeal to musician music lovers of all types. These days, people listen to a broad variety. The same person does, and which I think is very healthy. And I liked it. And my whole business is classical music. So, and the Brandon Town Hall is kind of an intimate arena for people to see this in. Well, it's mid level. It's certainly not anywhere near as big as the Paramount Theater. But it's not tiny either. It probably seats about 200, 150 to 200. Uh, for, for our readers who are going to be uh, seeing the arts 
uh, uh, section this weekend. Are they going to be getting just a preview of the show, or did you have a chance to talk to Sally? No. Um, we talked to Sally, and we talked to her about the show. We talked about what she's doing in Las Vegas, the whole thing. And so if you want to find out all about Rutland Girl Makes Good, that's the place to go. Okay. And uh, finally, in, in this topic, I'd like, to, you to, I'd like to, to, to hear what you think about these type of shows. We see them all the time, these sort of tribute shows to various performers. Uh, what, is your, what is your take on these kind of shows? My personal feeling is it's somewhat of a fine line. Um, for the true passionate lover of an artist, they can be annoying because there is no question you cannot be somebody else. Also, if you do not inhabit your performance role, it do, it's not really art. It's just imitation, which is, doesn't really carry a lot of weight. But if you can combine your passion for another artist, not just imitate them, but live it. Live it actually to the point where you don't sound just like but you convey a lot of the emotion, that can be very powerful. Hey, this is Maura Smiley, and you are listening to Major Prelude and Minor Mishaps. Brought to you by the Rutland Herald and the Barry Montpelier Times Argus. So let's get back into your warehouse and tell us a little bit about Bach. Well, Bach is big right now, uh, this weekend and next weekend. Uh, this weekend, Bach will be heard at the Brattleboro Music Center, uh, Bach Choral Music. And what's interesting is the following weekend, it's going to be heard in Montpelier in Burlington. And in Brattleboro, it will be with a Blanche Moyes chorale named after the very famous conductor from Brattleboro. And in, in Montpelier in Burlington, it's the same uh, they're, they're the same concert, two places. It will be the same soloists, vocal soloists, coming from Brattleboro, who are not local, they're international. But both of these places have been doing Bach for a long time in Brattleboro for, since 1969. Um, the one in Montpelier is only about 20 years. And so they're very passionate about it. What's interesting is they attract audiences, big audiences. Montpelier, last year for the Bach concert, which this is, it's not the same program, but it's the same people, packed St. Augustine's Roman Catholic Church in Montpelier, which seats 800. That is the biggest attendance for any concert in Montpelier in my 30-year history of writing about music. And that includes pop music, any music, which is kind of interesting. Uh, a lot of people who don't like other classical music like Bach. Okay. We have talked about some music events this uh, that are coming up, and let's go to the movies. Uh, you have a, one of uh, our most reliable correspondents talking about uh, a movie festival in Middlebury. Yes, Janelle Fagnant is writing about this year's Middlebury New Filmmakers Festival Winter Series. But this 
has bigger and better than ever. Um, but this year it is about fascinating people, biographies of people. There are eight films over eight months, and they're about people you will know, and no, you'll know most of them. Okay. And uh, does uh, did Janelle have a chance to talk to some of the filmmakers, or is she uh, writing primarily about the the actual films? More about the films. We we may deal with the individual films more later when we get to them. But we just wanted to let people know so that they could make their plans. Okay. Uh, and and biographies are very big right now. Biographical movies are these biographies of sort of um, everyday people or these biographies of No, these are bi biographies of people whose names you will know. So speaking of names we will know, a big musical act coming back to the Vermont area. Um, one of the most famous names in music history. Yep, Vienna Boys Choir. It's funny how I first knew about the Vienna Boys Choir, and now I'm dating myself. In the 1960s, there was a Disney film called Almost Angels, and it was about the Vienna Boys Choir. It followed some of the boys and had this little story and everything. And it was, I mean, it was, it was in all the commercial theaters around the country, and I loved it. I was already a music person when I was a kid, but you didn't have to be. It was just a wonderful story. Well, I spoke to one of the directors of the Vienna Boys Choir to find out what life for the boys is like, and it's pretty much like they said it was then. The boys range in age from 10 to 14. They have four different touring groups that tour the, tour the world um, simultaneously. Uh, out of 100 total in the boys' choir school. And um, they sing everything from traditional classical music from Palestrina and Bach and Mozart to contemporary folk music. Disney film music, all that sort of thing. Of course, they're limited. There are no basses and tenors because their voices haven't changed yet. But what's also interesting is it starts in a school. The school itself is actually a school from kindergarten through high school. But the boys chosen for the choir, and they're chosen in fourth grade go to their own school, which is all boys, and just the choir. Not only that, people from all over the world, young boys, apply to get in. And while it's more of a challenge for some of them to, to catch up, for one thing, of course, they have to speak German because it's Vienna. Uh, and they, some are not as well musically trained. According to the spokeswoman, it's more their attitude because they said, we can train them. It is, in fact, a school where they do all the normal academics, but they also have rigorous training, ear training, voice training. They also take up an instrument. They also do music theory, music appreciation. It's, it's quite intense. And the result... It's glorious. These kids can sing. They're passionate about it. They love it, but they're trained and they do it well together. So can you tell us a little bit about why you are talking about the Vienna Boys Choir? They are week? going to be at the Berry Opera House on Sunday, October 20th. And this is a big deal because the Berry Opera House is very excited about having them there. So um, we're going to, I think we should 
conclude uh, this week's podcast a little differently this time. Uh, my understanding is you will be uh, taking a few weeks off, and we'll be back to, uh, to join us again. Yes, that is true. And I can tell you about my trip. Hi, I'm Rob Mitchell of the Rutland Herald. Thank you for listening to Major Prelude and Minor Mishaps, brought to you by the Rutland Herald and the Barry Montpelier Times Argus. Welcome to the second part of our podcast, where I, George Nostrand, podcast engineer, take over the mic to introduce you to local artists for our Works in Progress section. Hi, this is George Nostrand, and I am here with Eric King, who has just released a new CD, 30 Days to 50. Uh, thanks for coming in, Eric. Well, uh, thanks for having me, and it's great to be here. Uh, yeah, just released first album, 30 Days to 50. Uh, pretty excited. Um, so it's, uh, it's been quite a journey, learning all the process of, uh, you know, first time being in the studio to working with other musicians in the studio, studio musicians and engineers and figuring out how to produce this thing and getting it out and all that stuff. It was just uh, it was a good process, a good learning process. It was exciting. Awesome time. Excellent. Uh, so tell me a little bit about that process. Where did you record the album? How did you find out about it? And um, uh, I understand this is like a solo album, but you brought in a bunch of musicians to play on the album, right? Correct, correct. Found the studio through a couple different other musicians. And when I went into the studio, I got a really good vibe of the place. Uh, the engineer was uh, Jeremiah. You know, we uh, totally hit it off. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a great place. Great place to record, record an album. And you have a pretty all-star lineup on the on the CD. You also have a horn section, which is pretty impressive and not something you hear all the time. And uh, tell me a little bit about that. What, yeah. what made you decide to go with the horn section? Well, the horn section was kind of little by accident. There was people that were lined up that fell uh, out of play, and then you had to search for more. And I just happened to come across Barbara Smith first, a saxophone player, uh, and. She came in and laid down some tracks, and then we still didn't have a trumpet and a trombone player. We had a, one trombone player first, Liam, came in, and then second was Michael and his wife, Danielle, came in, music teachers, uh, and they just came in, all three of them with Barbara, and they just were amazing. Mm. Uh, communicating with them what I wanted, doing arrangements, it was just uh, what an experience, and uh, you know, I tell people I get the best horn section anybody could ask for. Yeah, yeah, you know. Do you have formal training in music? When you say you're arranging or working with them, or uh, no, they were I, they were kind of I knew what I wanted, mm -hmm. so my formal training is self-taught. Mm -hmm. uh, so I knew the arrangements, how I wanted the sound. So, you know, I would be in the studio, my hands would be flying in the air, <laughs> trying to describe, you know, different, ba -da -da -ba -ba, ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba, you know, and, and, and they would just look at me and kind of smile. And it's funny, they would turn to each other and they would just talk this uh, band camp, I call it, uh, <laughs> language. And uh, they would turn around and just rip it into almost exactly what I was talking about. And wow. so that communication was pretty cool. Uh, That's very cool. Yeah, so that worked out great that way. Excellent. And it may, uh, may not have been the most, uh, you know, professional way, but we sure mm -hmm. did have fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are some of your musical influences, or what are the influences you bring to this album? Um, I, You know, it's funny. I listen to everything, mm -hmm. all kinds of different genres. So, uh, um, 
I could be, I, you know, I grew up, my first, I think the first really uh, band that I really started listening to, it had to be the Rolling Stones when I was a kid, mm. you know, that really, uh, uh, you know, let's just listen to them. And then, then it evolved from there when, you know, I went into Leonard Skinner, this whole Southern rock, and then, you know, you'd listen to country music when none of your friends were around <laughs> because, uh, you know, because I loved country music. But, mm. you know, if you listen to it right when everybody was listening to Southern rock yeah. or, you know, heavy metal, they'd be looking at you like, what are you listening to? <laughs> uh, and then, you know, Sunday mornings, yeah. I'm I'm educating myself on jazz, mm. you know, and yeah. and funk and blues. And yeah. so if you looked at my vinyl record collection, you, it goes from one, you could find anything in there, mm -hmm. you know, so I don't limit myself to genres. I just keep myself wide open music mm -hmm. and I'm hopefully that kind of happens when I'm writing my music, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a, a wide variety of influences when you listen to the album. Let's, let's listen to part of a track. Um, what, what track do you want to listen to here? Uh, we could do, uh, how would we do Take Me Away? Okay. Great. Let's listen to that. bass player and you're listening to major prelude and minor mishaps all right well so in addition to this new album you also are starting a new project called groove street records uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about that sure uh well you know to release my album i want you i wanted to open up a uh, an independent record label so mm -hmm. not only did i help myself release the album but in the future try to bring uh, local artists that are looking to record their first album and just making sure, you know, we can help them in any way possible, whether it's, uh, you know, the producing uh, the album, uh, packaging, and making mm -hmm. sure it just looks good so when they go to take it to wherever they want to go after that or they have us take it forward, uh, it looks professional. Mm -hmm. And um, they can kind of get an idea of the business side of the music. Mm -hmm. It's... 
kind of you you have to know it as an artist. You got to you know, um, or you're not going to make money, and someone's probably going to uh, take advantage of you. Yeah, I think it's interesting that there was a time where where record labels were kind of looked at as evil entities, and there was probably some good reasons for that in the past. But I think also we've kind of come into this DIY world where the musician is expected to do everything. And so um, I've come to see that there's there can be a real value in, in working with a label because then that label takes some of that pressure off. Is yeah, that and, you, it, and you can have different contracts with labels. You, mm -hmm. the, you know, your label can just be uh, promoting you mm -hmm. or working with you on tours or you can take care of your own tours or they can just be working with you on producing an album. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what's, you know, you're not locked into this giant contract where you're giving up your masters and all your royalties. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, it's, you know... Of course, the record label has to make money, but you're making you're more of a partner. You're making the money together. You know, an artist can get their music out there very easily worldwide. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't mean everybody's going to look at it. Right. You know, that's a whole separate thing. This is what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. You can you can get it out there on uh, any format you want, where everybody can look at. But if nobody knows it, and right. there's no buzz around it, and nobody knows anything then mm. it's it's just sitting out there right so there's pros and cons but it's very easy for an artist to record an album a lot easier now mm -hmm. than it was when we were kids yeah definitely uh, where you needed the major record label to even get radio play and get right. it out there do you have any uh, plans in, in promoting your own album or any upcoming shows or places that people could see you play or sure uh well this uh Saturday, Saturday we'd be down in Ludlow at mm -hmm. uh, uh, Dijon, Vermont, okay. and then uh, Sunday I'm at uh, do a uh, from twelve to one at Cider Days down in Mount Holly. Mm -hmm. Cool. And then uh, let's see. After that, we're at the Outer Limits Brewery. Mm -hmm. The end of October. Cool. Beginning of November, we're at uh, I think we're at the Copper Fox in Springfield. Great. So, That's a great venue. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. All great venues. Yeah. yeah all great Very venues. excited Definitely. for all of them. Excellent. And people can find your new album online? They can. All and Pretty much every format there is online, wherever you get your music. And also, uh, if you want to go to uh, GrooveStreetRecords.com, we have it uh, for sale on there. And uh, also locally, if you want to stop down at Rick, Rick and Cat's uh, Hollow and Mouse uh, record store, we have it uh, available there too. Oh, cool. Excellent. Well, let's uh, let's go out with another tune. Uh, what do you want to go out with? Uh, let's go out with uh, "You Meant the World to Me." All right. Well, thanks for coming in, Eric. Well, thanks for having me, George. Set from that light.
Hi, I'm Rob Mitchell of the Rutland Herald. Thank you for listening to Major Prelude and Minor Mishaps, brought to you by the Rutland Herald and the Barry Montpelier Times Argus.